Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. Hello, hello, hello. How is everybody? You doing all right? Good. I'm glad. Happy Palm Sunday. And... Uh, you, I'm, I'm probably more surprised than you are that what we're talking about on Palm Sunday is what we're talking about on Palm Sunday. Uh, but I said to my wife last night, you can tell I don't call the shots around here because strategically I would never preach this message on this weekend, the week before Easter. Uh, but uh, last night really, really felt the Lord do some special things. And, and I, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We'll get there in a minute. Um, before we jump into the message, I, I just want to say a couple of things. Um, I, I am uh, a little bit nervous to talk about this, but not for the reason that you think. Uh, I'm not nervous to talk about sex because I'm never nervous to talk about anything the Bible talks about. Uh, but here's where I have a little bit of just a touch of trepidation. Uh, I've spent a lot of hours counseling over the last 20 years of my life with couples, and uh, I have seen that there are some, and I even know in a room this size, there are some in this room who have been hurt in their past, and the weapon that someone used to hurt them was sex. And if that's you, I, I want you to hear my heart. Um, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want you to flinch. I, I can't tell you enough how sorry I am that you were hurt. And that was never God's intention. And if you still have a wound, uh, we would love to help you, whether that's uh, one of our pastors walking you through healing, or whether it's helping you find some outside help with a licensed counselor. Uh, if you've been hurt uh, with sex as a weapon in your past, uh, hear my heart. I'm not trying to hurt you with this. If anything, I believe God wants to heal you and wants you to hear his perspective on this matter. And so I would just ask you, uh, not to shut down on me or the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit tries to speak to you, but that you just open up. Yes, sex can be used as a weapon, but God did not give sex to husband and wife as a weapon. He gave it as a gift. And so uh, I just want you to hear my heart before I jump into this. I, I'm not going to be like this uh, last night was probably the sweetest message I feel like I've ever preached in my entire life as far as my tone goes, the whole message, and here's why. Because I felt like the Lord told me there are also some people who have made mistakes in their past related to sex. And they don't need you to get up and feel like that you or I are doing this to them because they already do that enough to themselves. And if that's you, I believe the Lord wants to free you today. So I'd ask you just to open up your heart 
And then there's a third group that I believe the Lord wants to speak to today, and that is a group that may approach this subject with fear and trepidation and incredible shyness. And I want you to hear, uh, first, this message is going to stretch you and probably make your cheeks a little red. I'm not trying to be salacious. I'm not trying to shock anyone. Uh, but I do get really, really frustrated, no matter what we're talking about, when the devil takes something God created and tries to make it his own. And so I, I, I refuse to stand by and let that happen. And if you're here and you're married, and in this season of your life, things have just gotten uh, dry and boring and, and uh, uneventful in this area of your life, my prayer is that you would see in God's word that it doesn't have to be that way, all right? So will you all commit to having an open mind and an open heart to whatever the Holy Spirit wants to say? And let me say this, do not use anything I am about to say against your spouse. Don't you dare let the words like these come out of your mouth in the coming days. Well, honey, we need to do this because Pastor Preston said we need to try this because Pastor Preston said we should. Okay, listen to me. This message is not about what Preston says. This message is about what God and God's word say and also what your spouse is longing for, not what you're wanting. Do you hear me? Okay. Uh, last weekend, I told you I, I jumped into the deep end of the pool right at the beginning. Uh, I don't feel quite as comfortable doing that this weekend. Uh, I'm going to do what my college professor said, and that is slowly dip my toe in the water and slowly wade out into the deep end, but we will get to the deep end of the pool by the end of the message, all right? So let's jump right into it. Here's point number one. When we talk about sex within the context of marriage, you need to understand you were made for it. You were made for it. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female. That's not just chromosomes we're talking about. Anatomically, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Maybe you've never thought about this before, but do you realize... And one of the first things that God talks to man about is sex. And you might be wondering, Preston, why are you talking about this in church? Well, that's one of the reasons. Because this was one of the first things that God talked to man about. He pointed at the man and said, I want you to know, you fit with her. And I made you that way. And he looked at woman and he said, I want you to know, you fit with him. I made you that way. If one of the first things that God talked to man about was sex, why do God's children run away from the subject? And why are his children so shy about something that apparently he had no hesitation to talk about at all? I'll tell you why, because the devil's tried to claim it as his own. He's tried to convince some Christians 
it's dirty. Now listen to me closely. God is not dirty. Nor is the desire he gave you to be sexually intimate with your spouse. That is not a dirty desire. It's a God-given desire. And if you feel in any way that it's dirty for you to feel what you feel towards your spouse, you need to, to release yourself from that bondage. Now, there's another way that we can know that we were made for this. Not just anatomically were we made for this, but there's another way. We were emotionally made for this. If you open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I want you to see it in your own Bible. Starting in verse 5. Speaking to husbands and wives now. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time. So you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Okay, isn't it interesting that the Bible says, do not deprive one another, speaking to husbands and wives, of sexual relations. I mean, think about this. The Bible says the same thing about food. Don't starve yourself. Don't fast for too long. It'll kill you because you were made to run on that fuel. Okay, the Bible is saying the same thing. As husband and wife, do not deprive yourselves of this. It's not good because you were made for this. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not made for this because I feel called to singleness. That's fantastic. And I want you to, to read the next verse. The next couple of verses are for you if you feel called to singleness. And I don't want you to look down upon that calling, nor should anyone else look down upon that calling. Look what Paul says in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 7. I say this as a concession, not as a command. But I wish everyone were single, just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. Okay, now you might say, well, I'm not made for sex. I would tweak that just a little bit. Uh, if you feel called to singleness, what you're actually saying is, my heart wasn't made for that. I'm not wired that way, and that's okay. If that's the way God made you, that's okay. But I would still say, your body was made for it. Doesn't mean you have to engage it. Anatomically speaking, your body was made for it. So you might struggle with same-sex attraction. But you need to remember, your body was made anatomically to fit man and woman, husband and wife, while your heart might not be made for sex. Your body was. And it's okay. You need to hear this if you feel called to singleness. No one looks down upon you in the church. Nobody. Paul says, we each have our own gift from the Lord, whether we're married or whether we're single. Okay? Now, let me say this uh, to the spouses, if you're married. When, when you talk about depriving your spouse of sexual relations, remember this. When you deprive yourself or your spouse from sexual relations that God created your spouse and you to have a desire for, you're dramatically increasing the odds that one of you 
is going to seek out sinful alternatives to feed a God-given appetite. That's not a threat. I'm not threatening you, nor should your spouse ever use that as a threat to say, you need to sleep with me. That's not at all what scripture is saying. It's saying you were physically and emotionally wired for this, and it's okay to have the desire. It's not okay to uh, starve yourself or your spouse in the context of marriage sexually. It can lead to some dangerous things. Why? Because God deposited that appetite inside of you, and he gave you your marriage as the way to be able to feed that appetite, all right? That leads us to point number two. You need to understand the importance of it. You need to understand the importance of sex. Let me give you a couple of things that will help you uh, understand or remind you the importance and even the power of sex, all right? Here's the first thing that is so important about sex. God created sex to reaffirm unity. It reaffirms unity. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Isn't it amazing that God created sex to be a picture of unity? A coming together that cannot be topped. When you and your spouse come together sexually, it is a reminder of the total unity he desires, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, relationally, unified. And remember all the different verses in Scripture. Amos chapter 3, verse 3 says, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement? In other words, how can they even go anywhere, anywhere together if they are not together? And the more together they are, the further they can go together to places they never dreamed or thought possible. How about Psalm 133? That says that God commands a blessing where there is unity. God gave married couples sex as one of the ways to reaffirm the unity he desires. And isn't it amazing how when things aren't okay between you and your spouse, how it impacts or negatively impacts your sex life. Why? Because it's hard to be unified when we're apart. Sex reaffirms unity, the unity God desires. Here's the second thing that's so important about sex. It provides for procreation. It provides for procreation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Go back and, and look at it. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. One of the things God uses sex for that is so important about sex is it can be used for procreation. Now, I don't want you to take this too far because maybe right now you and your spouse are struggling to get pregnant. Okay? If that's you and, and you guys have been trying and trying and trying and, and maybe you've even had a few miscarriages like we did and, and you're just heartbroken, go through and read some of the stories in Scripture where a womb was closed and God miraculously opened it and let your faith and hope rise back up because God loves to use 
the gift of sex in the context of marriage to provide for procreation, right? Here's the third thing that's so important about sex. Uh, it, it provides, here's the best way to say it. It, it provides emotional, not just physical release, okay? And I would say mental and emotional release. You see, God did not just create sex to provide a physical release of fluids. He also created sex to provide a mental and emotional release of pressure. Let me show it to you in scripture because I guarantee you, most of you, if not all of you, have never seen this before, all right? Look at what happened with Isaac in Genesis chapter 24, verse 67. And Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother Sarah's tent, and she became his wife. He loved her deeply, and she was a special comfort to him after the death of his mother. Okay, let me give you some context here. Sarah had been dead for three years. And Isaac was still grieving the loss of his mother. So much so that instead of taking his about-to-be wife, Rebecca, into his tent, he goes into his mother's tent. He's a heartbroken man. And God uses Rebecca, but not just Rebecca. God uses sex in the context of marriage as one of the emotional releases that ministered to Isaac. And I know for those of you who are married, you have experienced this from time to time. Maybe you're feeling a ton of stress and, and your spouse is very discerning and they know that they see the stress that you're under and, and they simply know you just need to be pursued right now and you need an opportunity to just release the emotional and mental pressure that you're feeling. Here's one of the beautiful things about sex. God did not design sex just to be a physical release of fluids, but also provide a mental and emotional release of pressure. Here's the last thing I'll give you that's so important about sex. There is beauty in vulnerability. There is beauty in vulnerability, Genesis 2, 25. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. One of the biggest differences between having sex and making love is two people's commitment to be completely vulnerable with one another. You can have sex and not be vulnerable, but you cannot make love and not be vulnerable. In fact, I would submit to you that the more vulnerable you are in your marriage, emotionally, visually, verbally, physically, the more vulnerable you are, the better the sex is going to be. Why? Because there's beauty in vulnerability. Listen, do you realize that God created sex to be the most vulnerable act between a man and a woman? I can prove it to you. There's a side of me that I don't let you see. It would not be appropriate for you to see that side of me. In fact, it's not appropriate for my own parents who brought me into this world to see that side of me. 
It's not appropriate for my children to see that side of me. There is only one person on the face of the earth that God has given the right, not just the opportunity, but the right to see me at my most vulnerable. And isn't it amazing? For those of us who hate vulnerability, typically men, but women can, can fight vulnerability too, isn't it amazing that God created sex to be literally impossible with all of your clothes on? It's impossible. You cannot have sex the way God designed sex to go down with all of your clothes, down, clothes on. Why? Because he created vulnerability to be a big factor in what happens when a husband and a wife come together physically but also emotionally. That leads us to point number three, and we're going to spend a little bit of time here, and this is going to stretch some of you big time, all right? If you're sitting next to your mother-in-law, I apologize. <laughs> but just remember, they know how you got here, and they know how your kids got here, okay? So let's have a mature conversation. And here's why it's so important for us to have a mature conversation. Because if we can't have a mature conversation about the things God created in church, the devil will gladly take those things outside of the church and try and claim ownership of them. Here's another way to say it. The devil loves to finish a sentence God starts. So we've got to talk about this. All right? So keep an open mind and remember... I am not telling you to do anything, all right? I am simply submitting some things that you will see in Scripture. And then it's between you, it, it's between you and your spouse. I, and I would say this, uh, all I'm trying to do is help facilitate honest conversation between a husband and a wife, all right? I'm not telling you to do anything. Everything I'm talking about, I'm submitting to you scripturally. All right? Okay. Are you ready? No, you're not. Here's point number three. You need to get better at it. When we talk about sex, you need to know. If you're married, you need to get better at it. If you're single, you need to not take this point literally. You hear me? Read through Song of Solomon. She says plainly, do not fan these flames until it's time. Nothing is better than a four-alarm fire in the marriage bed. Nothing is more dangerous than a tiny flame before it's time. Now, last night and in this service, there were a few snickers when they heard you need to get better at it. And I can hear some of you thinking this. <laughs> President, you have no idea. I'm already amazing at it. Can I just tell you that's your insecurity talking? Furthermore, do you realize it doesn't matter if I know how good you are or anyone else knows how good you are? The only thing that matters is that your spouse knows not only 
that you're good. It's not about being good. It's about simply being the type of spouse who longs to grow in every area of life. Your spouse doesn't wanna know if you're amazing in bed. What your spouse wants to know is do you love them enough to keep growing every day of your life in the way you show love towards them? That's what they wanna know, all right? So adopt a humble posture and let's learn together as we look at some ways the Bible says we can get better at this special gift of sex inside of the marriage bed, all right? Here's the first way you can get better. Improve your readiness. Improve your readiness. And let me give you two little subpoints here. Here's the first one. This is not good grammar, but I intentionally made it bad grammar so that you'd remember it, hopefully. Be clean before you begin. Be clean before you begin. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 15. You are a garden fountain, a well of fresh water. Not stained water, not smelly water, not junior high locker room uh, smelly water. A well of fresh water. Now, this is important, and you need to understand how important cleanliness is to pursuing your spouse sexually. How many of you have ever had an amazing meal at a restaurant? Just put your hand up, okay? An amazing meal, all right? And how many of you have ever gone to a restaurant that was known for amazing meals, but you'd never been there before, and when you went to sit down at the table, there was trash on the floor, it was really dusty, and you sit down at the table, and there are sauce stains on the table, then you order, they bring you your uh, entree, and there are stains on the plate from a different sauce that, of, of a dish you didn't even order. Then you go to pick up your fork and there's crusty food on it. What happens in that scenario? You lose your appetite, right? Okay, listen to me. No matter how good the meal might be, if it's served in a dirty environment, it will cause a loss of appetite. Now let me really stretch you. One of my favorite things that Holly does is she scratches my head. People think I shaved my head because I was balding. That's not the reason I shaved my head. It was just to get her to do this to me. I love when she scratches my head, but can I ask you a question? If I made a decision from birth to never cut my hair and to never wash it and it became greasy and long down to here, do you think she would ever really feel led to start scratching my head? No, she wouldn't. Why? Because it has an unhygienic vibe to it. It's kind of gross. Let me say it this way, all right? Never serve your spouse's favorite dish in a dirty environment using unclean utensils. You get what I'm saying? Give the gift of cleanliness to your spouse. Maybe the reason your spouse seems to have a loss of appetite is you are not prioritizing the gift of cleanliness. Okay, be clean before you begin. Here's the second way you can improve your readiness. 
Send a message through your preparation. Send a message through your preparation. Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 4. My lover tried to unlatch the door, and my heart thrilled within me. I jumped up to open the door for my love, and my hands dripped with perfume. My fingers dripped with lovely myrrh as I pulled back the bolt. Do you see the picture here? She'd been preparing for her lover. She wasn't just showing up. Listen to me closely. Bad sex involves merely showing up. Great sex involves gearing up. Show your spouse just how much you prioritize them in your life by the lengths to which you go to be prepared to make love to them. Don't just show up. Now, Preston, how do I gear up? Well, there are tons of little things and we don't have time to go through all of them, but maybe a sweet little text on the way home from work. Maybe picking up a sweet little gift on the way home. Maybe the, the kids are all gone and, and when one of you is coming home, you show up at the front door and something special. Show how much you prioritize your spouse by the lengths to which you will go to prepare to be with them intimately. Be ready because you never know. You never know when the perfect time will come for the two of you to come together in one of the most special ways God created. Improve your readiness. Here's the next thing you can do. And this is going to be, I'm, I'm going deeper into the pool with each point, all right? Study your spouse's responses. Study your spouse's responses is a way you can get better at making love to your spouse. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 10. When my lover looks at me, she says, he is delighted with what he sees. Can I ask you a question? How did she know he was delighted with what he saw? I'll tell you how she knew he was delighted with what he saw because she had learned what he liked. She was confident that she was serving up his favorite dish in one of his favorite ways because she had studied him and learned what he liked. Now, listen to me closely. Some of you have heard a phrase that you may misapply to sex. Be a student of the game. You need to be a student of the game. Okay, I am not advocating that you be a student of sex. I am advocating that you be a student of your spouse. You can study sex, and here's what you're gonna learn. What everybody else likes. And that does not necessarily help you in your marriage bed. But when you study your spouse, an amazing thing happens. You learn what they like. Study your spouse's responses to everything you do. And don't take it personally. If they don't like something, you try. Move on to the next dish. And when they love that one, take great notes to exactly what, why, and when they showed. How much they loved it. Study their responses. Now, let me say this. If you choose not to study your spouse, I can guarantee you here's what's going to happen. 
you're going to assume that they like what you like. And you're going to serve them your favorite dish, the favorite dish you love to receive the most. And let me burst your little bubble. I can just about promise you that your spouse does not like what you like nearly as much as you like it. You need to learn what they like. That's part of the fun, is studying your spouse and seeing, learning what they like, all right? Now, this leads us to the third subpoint, and this is where you might get a little red cheek, okay? Step up your creativity. One of the best ways that you can get better in the area of sexual intimacy in your marriage is to step up your creativity. Now, let me show you why. And some of you are going to be blown away by this, all right? Go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, and I'm, just see if you can pick up on a, a word that seems to be create a theme in this verse. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. One verse, words mentioned three times. Okay, have you ever thought about this? Our creative God created his favorite creation with divine creativity. Why on earth would that creative creation be anything but creative? It's almost like we've made as believers boredom spiritual. Too many believers make boredom spiritual. But I promise you, your spouse does not find boredom to be godly. And here's why. Because God creatively created them. And here's the problem. Why, why are Christians especially afraid to be creative in the marriage bed? I'll tell you why. Because the devil has taken creative sex and tried to make it filthy. He's tried to make it dirty. Creative sex is not dirty. We were actually created for it within the context of marriage. One of the best ways to step up your game is to step up your creativity. Now, let me give you a couple. Uh, oh, let me say this. Uh, for those of you who, who maybe creative sex uh, is taboo, okay? Let me remind you what Scripture says in Titus chapter 1, verse 15, all right? Everything is pure to those who are pure. But nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupted. Now, let me say this. I don't want you to be corrupted. Now, you're thinking that means one thing. Let me show you the other side of the coin. I don't ever want you to look at something God calls sweet and you call it sickening. That means you've been corrupted. See, we think about the enemy taking something sweet and turning it into something dirty. The other side of corruption is seeing something God calls sweet, but you call it sickening. 
And this might be stretching some of you, and that's okay. Everybody's in a different place. Don't feel like you need to compete with anybody else. I'm simply submitting to you and reminding you how your creative God creatively created you to be creative. So let me give you quickly a couple of little tips that can help you be a little more creative in this area of your marriage, all right? We'll start small. Here's the first one. Kiss like you mean it. Kiss like you mean it. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 11. Your lips are as sweet as nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. Question, how did he know what the underside of her tongue tasted like? Because he explored that landscape. Do you know what that means? That there's a country on this planet claiming to have ownership. We're talking about French kissing. Do you know that long before the French claimed it, the Father created it? They can call it theirs. That's just a lie. God created that. And it's found in his word. And it's okay. Now, am I advocating that every time you kiss your spouse, you should French kiss them? Please, especially in front of me in a public place. Don't. But I am telling you, if you're married, you know that it is entirely possible to kiss your spouse in such a way where you can be emotionally absent and physically present. Don't let yourself go there. When you find yourself alone with your spouse, kids are gone, I'm just going to tell you, I kiss my wife differently. Sometimes I kiss her that way in front of my kids, and we all know how they respond. That's disgusting. Well, it can't be that disgusting because it helped get you here. <laughs> you like your life? Yes, sir. <laughs> Kiss each other like you mean it. Don't get into the habit of kissing like we were just roommates. Remember what it was like to be without your spouse. Remember what it was like to be dumped by someone who got engaged and didn't even tell you. And when you never forget that kind of stuff, you won't ever let yourself kiss your spouse just going, I kiss her, trying to let her know, I can't live without you. I kiss my kids on the cheek because it's appropriate, but I want you to know I kiss you in a way I don't kiss anybody else kiss like you mean it, all right? Here's the second one. The second way you can be more creative. Experiment with different positions. Experiment with different positions. Let me show this to you in the Bible, all right? Before you start arguing with me in your heart. This is not my idea. I wish I could claim it. It's not mine. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 13. She says, my lover is like a sacket of myrrh lying between my breasts. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but this is one of the most frustrating things to me that the devil has done with sex in the context of marriage, especially for Christians. 
Now, I'm not giving the devil credit, but I am exposing something he's done, all right? He has tried to take creative sex and call it his. And the only way to be creative in sex in your sex life is to be filthy and be dirty and do things that defile your body and dishonor God. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, okay? You see, go do some homework. Read the whole book of Song of Solomon. And if you just went and tried everything that they talk about, I guarantee you, your sex life is going to go from here to here. Before the devil started trying to put his stamp on creative sex, God actually created it. All right? Try different positions. What, what does that mean? Think about this for a minute. Okay? Because maybe you're, you're prone to monotony sexually. And maybe it's not your fault. Maybe it's because you were raised with someone maybe a, a parent or a grandparent who convinced you that creative sex was dishonoring to God sex. I personally believe that's what the devil does. Think about how brilliant what he's done. I'm not giving him credit. I'm just exposing something he's done. Think about how he's tried to make creative sex dishonoring to God. He actually came up with a term, a spiritual term that he assigned to the single most boring sexual position. Know what it is? The missionary position. And for some, he's even convinced, the devil has even convinced them that you're not spiritual if you go anywhere past this line. That's not what God's word says. Be creative, try different things. And for some of you, this might be t TMI. I'm just being vulnerable with you. And I'm not talking about my sex life. I'm talking about what God has created us to experience. One of the things you will hear, and, and you're never going to be in my room to hear it, but this is what, this is a phrase that Holly and I use from time to time. How do you want me? How do you want me right now? And it's one of the ways that we have to communicate with one another to say, I'm in the mood for something different. How about you? There's nothing wrong with creative sex. And listen, have we learned a lot trying new things? Yes. Have we laughed from time to time trying new things? Yeah, we have, but that's part of the fun. And it goes back to that vulnerability. It just creates that vulnerability to laugh at ourselves. Don't be afraid to experiment with different positions. And if you need some help, consult God's word. Read through the Song of Solomon and pray for discernment because some of it you have to read between the lines. But if you have trouble reading between the lines, just read it over and over again and eventually it'll set in, all right? That leads to the third thing. Be open to different options. Open up to different options. Song of Solomon chapter two, verse three. Like the finest apple tree in the orchard, she says, is my lover among other young men. I sit in his delightful shade and taste his delicious fruit. Chapter 4, verse 16 of Song of Solomon. She says, awake, north wind, rise up, south wind, blow on my garden and spread its fragrance all around. Come into your garden, my love. Taste its finest fruits. Some of your hearts are racing and your cheeks are completely flushed. I just want you to know, your God inspired that. 
And you want to know one of the reasons I believe he inspired that to be written? So that you didn't feel guilty about something he created to be special. Open up to different options. What does that mean? Try different places in your home when no one else is around. Try different methods. Try different tools. Preston, are are you talking about toys? Maybe. Not just toys. Is it wrong for a husband and a wife to have a piece of furniture that makes various positions easier to maintain? No, not at all. Try different tools. But here, let me give you some, some uh, just kind of some rails to put this on. Because when, when we hear about this, and we talk about this in the church, and we read it in scripture, I believe there are four questions you need to ask yourself, though. Because the question I get in marriage counseling, and the question I got going all the way back to being a youth pastor, how far is too far? That's the way the kids would ask it. Here's the way married couples ask it. Where's the line? of what is right and what is wrong, okay? I wanna give you four questions to ask yourself. These are four questions that Holly and I ask when we're talking about trying something we've never tried before, all right? Here are the four questions and we'll be done. Question number one, is it prohibited in scripture? Is it prohibited in scripture? Question number two, is it beneficial? Okay, is it prohibited in scripture? If it is, the answer is no. Is it beneficial? Remember scripture says, while everything might be permissible, not everything is beneficial. If it's not beneficial to my marriage, the answer is no. Question number three, does it involve someone else? If the answer to that question is yes, then the answer is no. Whether we're talking about physically or even visually, if it brings someone else, the answer is no. And the fourth question is, is my spouse comfortable with it? If the answer to the first three questions are God-honoring, and we get to question number four, is my spouse comfortable with it, and their answer is no, then here is your answer. No for now. No for now. There are some things when Holly and I first got married that both of us felt uncomfortable with. But as we grew together and learned together, became more vulnerable with one another, it became easier to become comfortable with those things. They were never wrong, it's just that we, were, we felt uncomfortable about some of them. Okay, listen, if there's something you want that your spouse is uncomfortable with trying, you need to give them the respect they deserve and take their no for now. Do not pressure them. You never want to push someone to give you something that you want. It's no longer a gift. It's an obligatory response. And that's not fun, all right? When you talk about with your spouse, trying something you've never tried before, answer those four questions. And that typically will help you stay on God-honoring rails in the marriage bed, all right? Holly and I have been married uh, just over 17 years. And this is an area where 
we have endeavored to grow. Uh, our starting point was not impressive or flashy by the world's standards. We got married, and I had waited to be able to give myself to one person. And after we got married, uh, we didn't even make it to our cruise ship. Uh, of course, we stopped uh, at the apartment to change. And when you've waited 21 years, uh, now you don't have to wait anymore. You don't wait, even if it's not very romantic. And of course, you hear people brag about how amazing their first time was. And Maybe you're single and you're not yet married, and I just want to calibrate your heart before I close this message. What makes sex amazing with your spouse for the first time is not what you do. It's not how long it lasts. Because truth be told, I was so excited, I don't even think it lasted three seconds. And yet I wasn't embarrassed in the least. because I'd waited to give myself to one person who would receive me just as I am. And one of the things, Holly and I have been through some tough stuff, but one of the things that God has used to keep us strong is sexual intimacy. And here is my prayer for every married couple in this room and watching this online that if there are any barriers getting in the way of God being able to use sexual intimacy in your marriage, my prayer is that you would allow God to remove those barriers so that you can experience a measure of health in your very own marriage bed that you have never experienced before. And here's why. Because God sent Jesus to die so that you could live the abundant life in every area of your life. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.